Mm. Oh, goodness. Wasn't that just an amazing song that Faith just let us in? It just, you know, I'm a musician. I'm, I'm a singer. And uh, sometimes being a musician, you can become jaded. And it's just a song. But sometimes it resonates in your soul. And as we talked about, well, you don't walk part the waters I need to go through. Well, you don't move the mountains I need you to move. I'm still going to trust you. I'm going to trust you, Lord, because where else can I go? Where, who else has the words of life other than King Jesus? Uh, several years ago, Tara and I were living in Canada, and uh, we were enduring a Canadian winter. Now, some of y'all have no clue about winter. You think winter was the other day when it was 40, 38, and drizzling? That's springtime, y'all. In Canada, it's shown up winter. And uh, we were in, it was in January, and we was coming up on the Lenten season. Now, growing up Baptist, I thought Lent was something in your navel. I didn't realize it was a, a liturgical thing. But it actually is, and, and part of the denomination we were with at the time, Christian Missionary Alliance, they kind of did that, and they gave up things for Lent. And, and so I'm going, you know, I'm being this old curmudgeon. I ain't giving up nothing for Lent. That's ridiculous. And Tara says to me, my wife Tara, she says, I know what you need to give up for Lent. I go, what? She says, being grumpy. <laughs> 40 days without being grumpy. And so you know what I did? I preached through the book of Philippians. Because I needed to hear what God's word said about joy. Because being grumpy is not being godly. Did y'all know that? Joy is the serious business of heaven, according to C.S. Lewis. The serious business of heaven. Now, when we think about heaven, and you think about Christianity, you really, joy's not the first thing that comes to your mind, is it? Because most of us look like we've been baptized in vinegar. You know, it's the joy of the Lord. In fact, I heard when I first started preaching, this guy, this, this guy comes and said, Preacher, you need to quit having so much fun. You're not supposed to have fun in church. I said, well, you know what? If it's boring, I don't want to go, right? I think boring church is sinful. What do y'all think? Yeah, so we're supposed to have fun. One theologian said this, when we fail to live in joy, we make the claims of Christ invalid to a watching world. Ooh, that's strong. But how can I live in joy when I'm overcome with worry and anxiety and fear when things don't go my way, when mountains don't move and waters don't part. And how can I trust in God? And all the songs we sang this morning were really setting up this talk about freedom from worry, freedom from anxiety, freedom from fear and being held back and held captive. And we've done that intentionally to get your hearts ready to hear this truth. Before we jump into this, I want to recap kind of what we've been talking about over the last two weeks. Two weeks ago, we talked about having freedom from your sins, to really realize that you've been forgiven and to live in the reality of the freedom of God. I gave this talk and made this talk because I think so many Christians live under bondage. We live under the bondage that we have not really are forgiven and we are really forgiven. And then we somehow we think it's unspiritual to forgive ourselves when it's really arrogant to not forgive yourself. And then God's forgiven you. Who do you think you are to not forgive yourself? So I wanted to talk about freedom. Last week, we talked about generational sin, being free from the sins 
that are the proclivity of sins are the, uh, the propensity of sin that, that's passed down from generation to generation. And we talked about that from addictions and anger and those who talk about being free from those things. What we talked about last week, I had people say to me, Pastor, that was the best sermon you ever preached. Of course, the weekend before that, somebody said, Pastor, that was the best sermon you ever preached. I'm thinking, I preach a bunch of lousy sermons around here. You guys are kind of bragging on this. And Dr. Cheetah, when you preached, they came to me and said, Pastor, that was the best sermon I've ever preached was your sermon. <laughs> kind of took that personal a little bit. But here's the truth, y'all. It's not about whether or not it engages you. I'm not out to impress you with my preaching. I wanted to let you know that. You said, well, good, because you ain't. Okay, good. What I am, I want to drive truth into your heart. Because I want you to be free. I want you to live in freedom. In our nation right now, in our society right now, there's more people struggling with anxiety than ever before. At least they're admitting it. So if we're going to admit that we're anxious, let's deal with being anxious. If we're going to admit we're worried, let's deal with being worried. Because God, get this, God knows every emotion you are going through because he's been through it. And we don't have a God who's distant we have a God who's close. We don't have a God who cannot relate. We have a God who took on flesh and lived among us. Who can relate to our anxiety and our fear and our worry. And what I want to do today is encourage you to live a life of freedom from those things. And how can you get there? And actually, I want to tell you the truth. I'm preaching to me. Because I come from a long line of worriers. My mother worried about everything. Uh, my mother, I surfed growing up. In fact, that's why I had eye surgery because of all the sun exposure that, you know, it finally rotted my eyes. And now I can see, I can really see out of this eye real good. This eye is, y'all still a little fuzzy, but this eye is real good. So if I close one eye and look at you, I'm getting a good look at you. Now, hopefully in two weeks, I'll have two good eyes. Then all bets are off, okay? My mother would worry about me surfing. Now, I've always been a big guy. I mean, a big guy. When I was in high school, I weighed about 220 pounds. Now I weigh none of your business, but anyway. <laughs> and I've always been a big guy and played ball and did those things and lifted weights and always been. But I surfed also, and most surfers are little bit skinny guys. And she would say, Scott, I'm worried about you. I said, Why, Mama? You're going to go down to that beach, and them boys are going to beat you up. I said, Mama, I'm bigger than five of them put together. It's okay. Tara said she could always pick me out of the lineup of surfers. Little surfer, little surfer, little surfer, big surfer. <laughs> Worry over stuff. And I want you to be free from that. In fact, I want to give you a, a great uh, memory verse. Y'all ready for a memory verse? Y'all ready for this? It's going to be up on the screen. Here we go. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Let's say it together. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Now, let me give you the rest of that. Let your forbearing spirit make known to all the Lord is near. In other words, when I'm rejoicing in the Lord, everyone knows that God is near. That my spirit then gives out to other people, hey, God's in this place because this guy is rejoicing. Rejoicing. The joy is the serious business of heaven. But how can I get there and how can I live in this truth, when life is hard and getting harder, when troubles come and, 
and problems arise and worry and anxiety are reality. How can I find this? Well, I'm going to give you some stuff today that's going to give you the pathway to live in the joy of the Lord and live free from worry, anxiety, fear, and other things. Are y'all ready for this? All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for what you're going to say to us this morning. And I pray that you'll speak through me. That'll not be my words or my thoughts, but your truth that leads us into freedom today. Help me, Lord, deliver what you once said. Help these people to listen and to apply and to leave here changed. And we pray this in your strong name, amen. Now go ahead and take out your notes. You wanna write some things down. I also wanna remind you of our online resources. And if you haven't signed up for this yet, I'm encouraging you to do this. Right Now Media. We offer a, a tool, an online tool called Right Now Media that has literally thousands of great Christian content. Content for your kids, content for your life groups, your small groups, content for your personal consumption, documentaries, uh, content. We even have our own Right Now Media page where we produce content that goes on our page. So if you wanna sign up for that, and I encourage you all to do that, just take that contact card, Put your email on it, said sign me up for Right Now Media and we'll get you connected. Now get this, y'all. We get all of these benefits that we give to you free. It costs this church $400 a year to provide that for you. Isn't that cheap? And so we could give it, we give it, we've given it out to thousands. We want to give it to you. So write that down so you get it on your phone, on your tablet, on your computer. You can get it anywhere you've got uh, Anywhere you got Wi-Fi, you can get Right Now Media. So get on that and take advantage of that. And you can even search Right Now Media for topics like worry, anxiety, fear. And here's from some of the greatest communicators in our nation about these topics. But I want to talk to you about some practical stuff right now. Most of us are worried or anxious because we have drama in our lives. The first thing Paul says in Philippians chapter four, and that's what we're gonna look at, the last part of Philippians, I preached the Philippians to get over grumpy, and I came up with this talk that gives us freedom. The first thing you have to do is stop fussing. Stop fussing. Stop being full of drama. Deal with your drama. And you're saying, well, I don't know anybody that's drama in my life, it's you. You're the guilty one. So deal with your drama. Listen to what Paul says in chapter four to two women. Now I appeal to you, Adonai and Scythike, please, because you belong to the Lord, sell your disagreement. Now get this, this is so cool. Paul is so bold, Pastor Paul. He sends out this letter to the church at Philippi. It's up in Asia Minor, kind of modern day Greece now. Up in a city named after King Philip, who was the father of Alexander the Great. Little town up there, it still exists. And he sent this letter to them and he gave it to the cities of the gospel. And the pastor there, he goes, hey, we got this letter from Paul. Everybody's going, yeah, let's read it. It's going to be great. And they got to reading it. And, and like chapter one, for me to live as Christ dies again, going, yeah, it's good. Chapter two, have this mind in you is also Christ Jesus. He, he gave himself, he, yeah, that's good. Chapter three, forgetting what lies behind him, reach forward to what lies ahead. Yeah, that's great. And chapter four, you two girls quit fussing. Dang. Can you imagine Edoni and Scythike sitting in church that, that, that Sunday? And, oh, busted. Then he turns to the pastor and said, hey, tell them girls to get along. Hey, pastor, going, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> oh. You know, but the fussing, what drama does, drama distracts you, distracts you from truth. 
And so when you're full of drama and you're fussing and you're fighting, you're not dealing with what's true, what's right, what's honorable. And I think about this. We live in this day and age where drama is so prevalent. It's unbelievable. Like Facebook and Instagram and YouTube and, and uh Snapchat, and I could go on and on with social media, that it's so easy. You could post something on Facebook that's kind of somewhat misconstrued, and it blows up on you. Do you know what I'm talking about? Some of y'all do, because you've been there. You've been the recipients of that drama. How can you get rid of that drama? Well, you got to be free from it by your own heart and your own character to stop the drama Now, some people love to cause drama. In fact, some people make their living by creating drama. There's a show about this family that you get to keep up with called the Kardashians, and all they do is they make money out of drama. Now, I've watched about 10 seconds of it and went, why do I want to watch that? You know, these girls being crazy. Why do I want to watch that? Or the real housewives of wherever. Really? And they say, Pastor, how do you know about this? I got a clicker. And I sometimes go and search as stupid. Oh, that's stupid. Oh, that's stupid. And I could go on and on, but I'm not here to judge the media. I'm here to say, you got to pay attention to what you're putting into your heart and your life. You know, if you're constantly feeding on drama, guess what? You're going to be dramatic. And you're going to cause problems with everybody. Now, drama's not good. So settle it. Settle it. Drama really reveals a spiritual immaturity, and somebody who has an appetite for drama is spiritually immature. Now, for some of you, I'm talking about this at the right time, because in about two weeks, your crazy family's coming to Thanksgiving, or you're going to them for Thanksgiving, and you're going like, okay, here we go. Now, what you do, this is what you do. Feed them, liquor them up, and watch stupid bubble to the surface, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's a recipe for disaster. But the thing is, you can't control them, but you can't control you. And what you permit is what you're going to get. You say, you know, we're not going to do this. We're not going to do this. We're not going to get into the drama. If they start being drama- dramatic and they start creating things... Peace out. (laughs) Got a roll. And I ain't talking about no Hawaiian roll. I'm talking about out the dough roll. Hmm. Or, okay, let let me read this. This is what Jesus said. This This is really interesting. And I tell you the truth, whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. And whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Now, you said, well, pastor, you just pulled that right out of context. No, I didn't because it's on about drama. That if you permit it, you'll get it. You forbid it, it won't happen. I can live drama-free. Now, most of us are unaware of drama. Why? Because we're unaware. Self-awareness is a gift of the Holy Spirit to make you look at your heart, to listen to your words. You know, you can hear your words before they come out of your mouth that you might want to practice some editing before it exits. Put your brain in gear before you put your mouth into motion. And watch what you say and how you say it, even the innuendo, your body language. Now, 
We create tension and it robs us of freedom and peace and it creates worry and we worry about what other people think or what other people say when we can live free from that. Stop your fussing. One of the most loving things you could do for your family and your friends is to control the drama in you. You can't control the drama in them, but you could control the drama in you. You know what? You could control your reaction. You say, I'm not going to go down to that level. I'm not going to allow them to hurt my feelings. And sometimes the best thing you can do is not show up to honor from a distance. I tell couples this all the time in counseling. Sometimes the best thing you can do is live a thousand miles away from your parents. Now, some of you are parents who want, what? Because you're crazy. That's why. And they need distance from you. Hmm. Can I get a witness? All right. Here's the next thing. Y'all ready to move on? Don't worry. Stop it. Don't worry. Worry is doing you no good. It's doing you no good. Listen to what Paul says. He goes on in four. And don't worry about some things. Don't worry about most things. What does it say? Anything. Really, Paul? Come on now. Don't worry about the impeachment process. Shouldn't I be worried about that? I love what Tara says. She, she asked me one day, she said, Scott, why do they call it the left and the right? Why do they call it that? The, the liberals on the left and the, and the conservatives on the right. Why do they call that? I said, well, baby, in, in, uh, in Congress, in, in the House of Congress, in, in the House of Representatives, in the Senate, the uh, conservatives sit on the, le- on the right and the liberals sit on the left. She goes, oh, that's ridiculous. I said, okay. She goes, I'm a kindergarten teacher. I said, yeah, I know that. She said, I just make them all sit together. I take, I take that old Mitch McConnell, I put him right by Nancy Pelosi. They just have to get along. <laughs> Maybe Tara ought to be president. What do y'all think? Can you see the squad mixed in with the, you know, the tea party? Like, awkward. It'd kind of be fun. C-SPAN would go way up. People would watch. Look at them. They're having to get along like a kindergarten class. And she'd make them hold hands and stay in line. You know, she would focus Fox on I mean, but it's true. And don't worry about anything. Um, don't worry about the impeachment. Uh, what does it say? It says, instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you want, what you need, and thank him for what he's done. That's really important. You say, hey, God, God's not, he's, he's not going, let me write down what you need. He already has it written down. He already knows. He knew you had a need before you knew you had a need. And he's already working out the solution before you even have the question. Because he's God. And thank him. Thank him. This, this, this November, we're asking for a, 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 a month of blessing. To write blessings and put them in the wall out there. The hope wall, the prayer wall. And I want to encourage you to do that because we need to thank God, continue what he's done and thank him for how he is. Then, then there, here's the promise. If you do those things, this is what God's going to do. If you stop worrying and you start praying and you start being thankful, this is what he's going to do. Then you will experience God's peace. Oh, 
See, I'm not going to get God's peace before I do that. No, no. Behavior, obedience produces the blessing. Obedience produces the blessing. Then you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything you can understand. His peace will guard your heart and your mind as you live in Christ Jesus. Your heart, your emotions, and your mind, your intellect, as you trust in Christ Jesus. That when I, when I pray, when I stop worrying, did y'all know that things are worse at night? Three o'clock in the morning is the worst time to wake up and start worrying because it's all worse. Your uh, health is worse at three o'clock in the morning. Your finances are worse at three o'clock in the morning. Your children are worse at three o'clock in the morning. Uh, the doctor's diagnosis is worse at three o'clock in the morning. The church curmudgeon is trying to run you off is worse at three o'clock in the morning. I'm just speaking from experience now. And so what should you do? Satan loves to wake you up at three to gig you with worry. You should tell Satan, why don't you just go to bed and then you go to sleep? I used to read this when I would take kids on youth retreats. Uh, I, would, I would quote them the scripture. Lay on your bed and be still and know that God, that the Lord is the Lord. Be still and know the Lord. Be still or I will suffocate you with the pillow. I mean, I didn't say that. It said, it's always worse at night. My dad said this. Most of the things you worry about don't happen. And if they do, they don't amount to much. And he lived to be 89 years old. He went through World War II, landed day two at Normandy. Do you think he had some stuff to be concerned about? He said, most of the stuff you worry about doesn't happen. If it does, it doesn't amount to much. So why do you waste your time and energy? Stop worrying. Start praying. Start being thankful. Now, this is very interesting, too. In some translations, it said, with prayer... And thanksgiving, our prayer, and you see some says supplication, our prayer and petition. Interesting. Prayer and petition. What does that mean? The prayer and thanksgiving. Now, let me say this. When I'm thankful to God, I tell God what I'm thankful for. If I tell God out loud what I'm thankful for, guess who hears it? You do. You do. So the petition part is, that, get this, I'm supposed to invite you into my troubles, into my worry. Why? Because some of you will say, hey, been there, done that, you're going to be okay. You know what to sign a petition means? I'm going to agree with you. When we bear one another's burdens, when we start praying for one another, we fulfill the law of God and we become family to one another. That's why you need a group, whether it's on campus or off campus, you need a group. A group of people that are going to pray with you, you know, that are going to lean in. They're going to sign their, their, your petition before God. And you're going to agree together before God. And then God's going to give, you know what he's going to do? He's going to give you peace when you do that. Jesus said this, my peace give I unto you, not like the world gives unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be dismayed. Your heart, your emotion, your feeling your mind, your intellect. God says, I'm going to do this. I'm going to guard it. What does that mean? He's going to guard it. Literally, the word there in Greek means an umpire. 
It's the same word used in Job, in the Greek Septuagint, in Job, a gunoel, someone who stands. The Hebrew word is gunoel. The Greek word means someone who stands between you and God and who pleads your case. I'm going to guard you. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to calm your feelings and to settle your mind. That's what I'm going to do. And when I have a calm feeling and a settled mind, I can face anything when I have the peace of God. Wow. That's the promise God has. And that's the antidote to worry and to anxiety and to fear that I can pray about it and tell God and let him do it. Now, worry is often diffused with godly counsel. Oh. And peace is a promise based on behavior. And peace comes when I obey God. I obey God. Paul says this to the church at Colossae, and let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your heart. Wow. That, that the king of my heart, King Jesus, let him rule because he's the prince of peace. Wow. That I shift my thinking. You see, Paul goes on and says, quit fussing, stop worrying, shift your thinking. That's what he's saying. And fix your thoughts on these things. Fixed thoughts, that means a fixed point that I'm going to focus on this. Focus my thoughts. Fix my thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice what you've learned and received from me, everything you heard and saw me doing. Then God's peace will be with you. So Paul goes on to say this. Okay, all right, look at, look, listen to y'all. Got to change the way you think. Neurologists will say when you change the way you think, your brain will reshape itself towards the positive and away from the negative. That God literally has wired your brain to shift the way it thinks when you focus in on what's true, honorable, right, and worthy of praise. If you focus on garbage, you're going to get garbage. You focus on Jesus, you're going to get peace. Wow. If I focus on Fox News or CNN, I'm going to get garbage. If I focus on Jesus, I'm going to say, you people are crazy. You see what I'm saying? That I can have a fixed heart and fixed thoughts. And this takes discipline. Now, Paul said this. He says, hey, follow my example. And he says some interesting things. He says, what you've learned and received. What does that mean? Now, I know this. I could teach you stuff. But if you don't receive it to apply it, it's worthless. It's worthless. Knowledge without application is trivial, including biblical knowledge without application. It's trivial. And so what we have to do is we have to learn it and receive it. That's why we teach you some of the same things over and over and over for you'll receive it. Then he said this, what you've heard from me and what you've seen me doing Oh, so I need an example of someone with fixed thoughts. I need an example of someone who's pure and honorable and trustworthy. And I need to see that in somebody's life. So I need that in community. I need to be that for somebody so they can look at me because I need to look at somebody else who's doing that so I can look at them. And then God's peace happens in all of us. What if we were a church of fixed thought people? 
that the joy of the Lord would be our strength. That the serious business of heaven would be joy and we'd be a people of great joy. We'd be people who lack worry. We'd be a people who celebrate in all circumstances of life because I cannot trust what happens to me, but I can trust who's holding on to me. And that's King Jesus. Hmm. To put it in practice. A few weeks ago, um, one of our dear church members passed away. His name was Lee Rains. Lee was 90, almost 92. He died the day before his 92nd birthday. So we're going to call it 92. Lee was so sweet and so kind and so loving. as a deacon here, a servant leader here. I've been here. He helped start Champion Forest Church in Houston. This guy's just an amazing guy. Sweet and loving. The last time I talked to him was he died on Friday. I talked to him on Thursday. I was in his hospital room. He grabbed me by the hand. He goes, Pastor, I just love you. You just live all for Jesus. And I love who you are. And I'm thinking, I got you fooled. And he's, he says, I just love you. And I, he said, I'm just ready to go to heaven. I'm ready to see Jesus. I just love Jesus. I love my family. And, and I'm ready. And he wasn't on any kind of medication. He was just, he was just ready. He's ready. And then the Lord came and got him on Friday. Now, he didn't send no angel. The Lord got up. How do I know that? Because the Bible says the Lord stood up for Stephen. The Lord comes and fetches his children. He doesn't send no daggum angel. He comes himself. And he came and he said, Lee, come on, let's go. Lee went home. And I was driving uh, down uh, the Kyle, old Kyle Highway, the Kyle Highway. And I was about to turn on Flight Acres, and it just hit me like this. About the time you really learn how to live is the time that you die. Only to live forever. Lee's more alive now than he's ever been. Because he's, he's in the eternal reward. And I think this, y'all, I think this life is preparation for the next life. And Jesus wants me to be so much like him, but that by the time I die, I'm going to fit right in. There's not going to have to be, you know, take a, like when I went to graduate school, I had to take bonehead English because I didn't pass the English proficiency. I know that's a shock to y'all. I ain't going to have to take the Christian proficiency class when I get to heaven. Because I'm going to just slip right into grad school. And that, because God wants to work on my character. And so he was, he does you. So you stop worrying, stop fussing, stop worrying. And, and shift my thinking and have the mind of Christ. And this takes discipline. But God says, I'm going to reward this. I'm going to give this to you as a gift when you do this. And I'm going to guard your heart and mind. And I'm going to help you. And I'm going to work it out in your life. All of this brings peace that we need. And when we have peace with God, it doesn't matter what happens in life. Life is good. Here's some promises that come in the result. When I have peace with God, then I have the promise of strength based on contentment. Y'all know this passage. You've seen it. For I've learned how to be content in whatever I find with whatever I have. For I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And we like to throw around that passage of Philippians 4.13. We go into the gym. I can do all things through Christ and strengthens me. Y'all, Christ has strengthened me, but I cannot bench 500 pounds. I cannot bench press 500 pounds. I can't. 
I can lift about 300 pounds and do it all the time. Get up off the table, I lift it. And I said, oh, I just did it a second ago. None of y'all's business. But the truth is, this is not talking about some external. What this is talking about, I can do all things that Christ has strengthened me. It's talking about being content in the Lord. And wherever you find yourself, God's going to strengthen you. That I can accept all things. I don't worry. I can endure all things. I have fixed thoughts. And I can live in strength because Christ is living in me, strengthening me. That's what it means. That I can stop fussing. I can stop worrying. I can change the way I think. And Christ is going to help me. And no matter where I am, what the circumstances of my life, my circumstances do not define me. My God defines me. Then there's a promise of supply based on being generous. Paul goes on and in the, the rest of the chapter said, some of y'all are, hold on, you're stingy. But I want to tell you something. You want to, you want to break the grip of worrying about money? You become generous. You want to stop worrying. You want to change your thoughts instead of worry about what you have. Why don't you worry about who has you? Because the Bible says, I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor God's seed beg for bread. It also says in Malachi, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. Be generous to God. And you know what he's going to do? He's going to open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing. You cannot contain it. Generosity breeds generosity. Listen to what he says. And the same God who takes care of me will supply all of your needs from his glorious riches, which has been given to us in Christ Jesus. You have the riches of heaven at your disposal. Wow. God loves to lavish his gifts so that we can lavish gifts on one another. He gives us so we can give. You know, Christmas is coming up. And uh, Tara and I are talking about what are we going to give our, our kids and what are we going to you know, give our little girls, our little grandgirls. It's frozen, frozen. Frozen one, frozen two. Everything's frozen. And I'm talking about not the weather. I'm talking about the movies, y'all, because we're caught up in a, four, a two- and a four-year-old world. But I got this credit card, and uh, we, yeah, we get it. We pay it off every month. It's not in your business, but we do. And we get the, I got this credit card, and it gives me points. And, you know, most of these points are worthless. Did y'all know that? You know, if you get 10 billion points, you might be able to fly to Dallas free. I mean, it's ridiculous. So I was looking on, you know, I've got this app on my phone, and it says claim rewards. And I clicked on it, and it says that uh, I saw, oh, gift cards. I clicked on gift cards. I can give my brother a $200 gift card to Lowe's, and it costs me nothing. I just give it to him. I should give my brother $200 of how to take care of a pool because he turned mine green. But I could do that, and you know, it cost me nothing. I'm thinking, okay, do I want to give my brother something that costs me nothing? Yeah. That's a great idea. But what God wants me to do is to be generous, is to lavish. And to be generous with him and his work. And be generous with you, his people. And not just give him money. Give him time and give him talent. He wants me to give this away. He wants me to share my life with you. And then he says this. And God shall supply all of your needs when you're generous. It's a promise with a behavior attached. If you're stingy, good luck. If you're generous, God's got you. Oh. Wow. God wants your character and your behavior to match his. And he's generous. Now think about this. Stop fussing. 
Stop worrying. Change the way I think. Fix thoughts. Be content and let him strengthen me that I can be generous. Wow. That's freedom. We started today with a C.S. Lewis quote. Joy is the serious business of heaven. But we're going to end with a Miss Tara quote. A kindergartner quote. What are you doing? What should you be doing? What are you doing? Are you being dramatic? What should you be doing? Are you worrying? What should you be doing? Are you thinking about things that are worthless? What should you be doing? Are you, are you being a malcontent? What should you be doing? Are you being stingy? What should you be doing? And to shift and say this, Jesus, I'm yours. And I want to live for you. And I want your peace. So I'm going to obey you. I'm going to obey you. And I'm going to let you be the king of my heart. And I'm going to trust in you. And I'm going to live for you. And you're going to give me your peace. Let's go. Let's go.